Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. I am Jason Kong alongside Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, Jason. I hope you are. I'm doing wonderful, Bill. Excited for the show today. And, you know, Bill, we're uh, we're settling into October here. And, oh, you wow. know, it's exciting. <laughs> here we go. It's excited. To, I'm excited to, you know, get into fall here. But, you know, this mm-hmm. also means we're mm-hmm. getting towards the end of the year. And that means tax time is not too well, far around the corner. No question about it. In fact, uh, next week uh, is the final day uh, where all of those folks who uh, delayed filing their income tax, um, it's it's the end of the road. That's uh, right. Th- those folks uh, have to file their income tax. Now, one of the things about delaying uh, filing your income tax is delaying the filing does not in any way, shape, or form delay the payment of taxes. In other words, Uh, You have to make sure, in other words, when you file for an extension to pay your income tax, uh, you have to make darn sure that you have paid every penny that you owe on or before April 15th of that year. Uh, Because if you haven't, um, you know, it's perfectly fine to extend um, the filing of your income tax return, uh, but not in any way, shape, or form, the the payment of income tax. Because if you haven't paid everything, then you have penalties and interest to add to uh, what you owe on your income tax. Uncle Sam's file. always going to get his. When you file in October, which is October the 15th. So just something for folks to understand about how extensions work if they don't file by April the 15th. Of course, most folks file before the 15th because they're hoping for a refund. That's right. <laughs> so, okay. So anyway, um, without trying to politicize it at all, I wanted to actually talk about tax policy a little bit. Uh, but I also uh, want folks to understand that uh, at W.G. Alexander & Associates, our job uh, as estate planners uh, has a lot to do with saving our clients' taxes, whether we're talking uh, – and, of course, at this point, the most important tax that we can save our clients is income tax – uh, but, of course, there are families who could owe a state tax as well, and those are the, those are the two biggies, if you will. And it's our job to do our, the very best we can working with the rules that we have, uh, the ones that Congress and our state legislature give us to save our clients' taxes. And I'm a big believer in using whatever rules there are and deductions that are available uh, or, or formulas that can uh, help our clients uh, save on any kind of tax that exists. You know, most of my clients, I won't say all, but I will say the great majority of clients, they want to control what they have as long as possible, and they want to pay the very lowest amount of taxes that can be paid legally and uh, under our our tax system, and I'm a big believer in that. So that's sort of where I'm starting from because my 
thinking about how taxation works is a little different than what uh, most people think of as it relates to tax policy. Okay, so here's the weird thinking that where I come from. My belief is that every tax that's levied is unfair to somebody, okay? That, that's a premise. Um, and, and it, I mean, for instance, um, uh, if you have a progressive income tax system, uh, then most people would think that that uh, type of progressive income tax, that's where folks who very, make very little income pay either no tax or very little tax, and people who make a lot of income pay a greater percentage of tax. That's a progressive income tax system. Most people would say, okay, that's unfair to folks who make a lot of money. Uh, whereas a sales tax, which where everyone pays the same percentage, for instance, when you go to the store and you buy something, uh, you, you pay a sales tax. Well, that uh, most people would say that's unfair to folks who have less money, right? Well, that's what I'm getting at is every tax is unfair to somebody. <laughs> so with that as a premise, my belief is that having more kinds, more types of taxes spreads out the unfairness. And so that actually is a good thing. So one of the things that has happened policy-wise over the last number of years, and by years I mean decades, uh, is that um, our policymakers, that means Congress and state legislature, have actually reduced the types of taxes that people pay. Now, it doesn't feel that way because they've added in fees here and tariffs there and, and the like, which are taxes as well. But in the overall scheme of things, um, there are far fewer taxes uh, that are levied. I mean, I'll give you a good example is that, you know, North Carolina, the state of North Carolina used to have an inheritance tax. And then we used we had an estate tax. Well, we don't have that anymore because it was done away with. Now, obviously, that kind of tax only taxes wealthy families. So obviously, the wealthy pay less tax when you look at, at um, the in essence, the way it used to be. Um, and, and so... Uh, that is where I really start the discussion when it comes to tax policy. But there was a recent article in the New York Times, and it was republished by the News and Observer, that really I think folks should look at because it's when you look at it, it's like, really? you got to be kidding me. All right, well, where am I coming from? Well, what, what the article was talking about was something – that um, uh, over 10 years ago, Warren Buffett uh, made a statement that, you know, all the experts said, oh, no, can't be true. Uh, that's, you know, that, that might be true for him, but it's not true for anybody else. Well, what Warren Buffett said 10 years ago, uh, over 10 years ago, was that he, one of the wealthiest people in the country, paid less 
tax in terms of rate, in other words, his tax rate was less than his secretary's tax rate. And it's like, what? Uh, That is crazy. Well, the bottom line is when Warren Buffett says anything, people listen, <laughs> right? And, and so, you know, all the experts got started, oh, no, 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 that can't be true. Well, now the studies have shown that what Warren Buffett showed is, is, is not only the exception to the rule, but it's the rule. And, and so in, in essence, um, uh, as we update it for taxation as it is today, um, they, uh, for the first time on record, the 400 wealthiest Americans last year paid a lower tax rate, that's combining federal, state, and local taxes, than any other income group. <laughs> that's a huge statement. Is that not crazy? Now, the, um, the average tax rate on the richest 400 households was only 23%. Well, Jason, middle-class America, what's our tax rate? Do you know what it is? It's around 24%. It, yeah. In other words, Congress said, oh, we're doing you a favor. We're dropping your tax rate from 25 to 24 percent. Aren't we wonderful? <laughs> and, of course, what they did when they dropped the tax rate, see, most middle-class Americans, if particularly those who are, who are doing fairly well and used to itemize their income tax, those folks saw a increase in in their income tax because when Congress reduced the rate by 1% from 25 to 24%, they took away a lot of deductions that people had. And so uh, they actually increased the tax rate on many, many, many people because uh, they took away our personal exemptions, and that was for a married household. That was worth almost nine thousand dollars in terms of tax savings. So, what I'm getting at is that we have really seen uh, this uh, change a lot with the l- latest tax, what they called a tax cut, but truthfully, it was a tax cut for the wealthiest. Uh, Americans. And that's now from a policy perspective. Now, I'm all for if using the tax system and, and getting the lowest tax taxes for my clients. That's what I do. And I love doing that. But uh, uh, is it the right tax policy for this country? Because it's um, pretty obvious to me, and it's been said as a general rule, which I think is clearly true, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, and the middle class is fading away. In other words, in fact, that is the, the piece that bothers me more than anything else, is the fact that it's harder to be middle class today than ever before. And, and the middle class is truthfully what made this country great. I mean, yes, we love our rich folks, 
uh, and we admire them. But the fact is, it was it has always been the middle class that has paid the uh, the, the freight, if you will, paid the taxes and made this country great. And it's and the middle class is shrinking. It's harder to make the money um, long term. Uh, and it's also very, very difficult for folks who are middle class to break out of the middle class into a, a you know, that other group, if you will. <laughs> Generally, it, it takes some money to make some money. And, you know, if you're just skating by and uh, you're, you're not able to build that sort of wealth, uh, as as we've seen in the past, then, yeah, you, you mm-hmm. tend to get stuck in the in the class that you're currently in. Well, Bill, we got to take a quick break. I know you're on a roll here, but I want to Take a break, and we'll get right back to our discussion on the tax system. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, I just had to stop you in the middle of a flow. I apologize, but I want to get right back into it. We're talking about the tax system here, and we were just getting a discuss into a discussion about uh, how the middle class is shrinking. Well, well, no question about it. And and uh, and why are the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. Well, taxation has an awful lot to do with it. Uh, and so what was it like? Okay, so last year, our richest Americans paid 23%, uh, which basically means they kept, what, 76, uh, 77% of, of their income. Uh, but um, in, in 1950, the richest Americans actually paid an effective tax, you know, federal, state, local, of 70 percent. Now, uh, so they're paying less than a third of what was paid in 1950. In 1980, uh, and, you know, most of us, particularly the elders uh, of us, we can relate to 1980. in 1980, the effective tax rate for the richest Americans was 47%, okay? So in essence, what's happened over the years for the richest of the rich is today they're paying less than half in income tax than they paid in 1980. 47% in 2018. Well, guess what? If you're keeping that much more of your income, no kidding, you're you're getting wealthier and wealthier each year. And one of the things that you have to understand about the tax system, well, I'll ask you, Jason, this is a very important concept. Has Congress reduced how much they spend? No. <laughs> that was That's a quick. quick answer. That was quick. <laughs> well, the bottom line is is if you reduce the amount of income tax or taxation that's paid by one group, what happens to the other groups? 
Uh, it tends to increase. It has to increase yes. because, in essence, effectively you have to you have to get the same amount of taxes that you got before. So if you're not getting it from the wealthiest folks, where are you getting it from? Uh, you're getting it from the middle class and the poorer folks. Well, mostly the middle class. I mean, bottom line is the middle class pays the freight, and and so from a public policy perspective, if you are uh, someone who lifts up workers, middle class people, low middle class, middle middle class, high middle class. If you if you are a believer in the fact that the middle class is the strength of this country, then should we be increasing the burden? Because obviously, if you increase the burden on the middle class, which is exactly what's happened since 1980 then it makes it more difficult to live, right? Now, of course, the, while all of this taxation has gone on, have we had any inflation? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, is it more expensive to go to college? Uh, absolutely. Have health insurance premiums increased? <laughs> yes. A, a whole bunch, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the fact is, if you have less money— because taxes are greater on the middle class, then can you afford the best health insurance? Can you afford to go to college? Uh, can you, I mean, in other words, all of those costs have increased significantly while uh, the effective ability to pay from the middle class has significantly dropped. Now, and of course, the benefit of that has been enjoyed by one group of folks, and that is folks who make the most money in this country. And, you know, all of us want to think, well, maybe one day I'll be there and I'll be able to pay less tax when I get to that, that uh, lofty place. But the fact is that rarely happens. You know, that's a dream as opposed to a reality. Now, there are a few folks who will break through, and they're the lucky ones, but the rest of us are going to be where we are. We might get from the middle middle class to the high middle class, but we're still going to be paying that uh, high amount of taxation. So I realize that most people don't care what we're talking about. And it, to me, it has no – it doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. Uh, this is not politics, as it, as it were – it, it basically has to do with fairness and justice and what we want our country to be today and, and in the future. And it's the kind of thing where um, our, our taxation – I mean, people have said forever that Congress basically creates social policy by its taxation policy. But, uh, you know, you, you see – things fundamentally uh, changing. You know, one of the my greatest concerns is not for my age group. You know, we're for most of us, we're in great shape. It's for the generations that are coming after us because it's far more difficult for young people to, to earn a living and to save money. And, you know, if you're talking about millennials, their ability to save for retirement is harder than ever. Uh, and um, their ability to retire uh, is difficult 
you know, bottom line, most households, in order to have a, a, a good standard of living, uh, at least in most homes, uh, pretty much requires both husband and wife uh, in a married couple to work. Uh, you know, unlike back in the 50s when that was, you know, Ozzie and Harriet's did not have that kind of situation. Well, you know, most young people want to live the lifestyle that they grew up with with their parents, and that's really hard to do without both uh, spouses working uh, unless one gets real lucky in terms of, um, you know, how much money they make and money is important to folks. So anyway, I've said too much already, but it's, it's the kind of thing where I do think it's important for folks to understand that public policy has shifted significantly in the last 30 and 40 years. And of course, this has come under both Democratic and Republican leadership. So it's this has just been coming more and more and more. And at this point, we're at a pinnacle. Uh, and I always talk about the pendulum going back and forth, and I think at this point the pendulum's got to swing back the other way if this country is going to stay the this, this strong country that we have been uh, uh, over the, the past uh, 50 years, for sure. All right, Bill, I got a question for you, All and right. hopefully this doesn't take too long to answer, but for a simple mind like me, uh, you know, we've had this this, this discussion on the uh, the, the very— richest of the rich paying a 23% tax rate, which is lower than the average middle-class tax rate. How does that happen? Because, you know, we look at the tax bracket and that should be somewhere around 40%, right, on the on the wealthiest. Is it just these loophole deductions for those at the very top? How does that happen? Well, there are a couple things. Number one, when you reduce the number of taxes that you have, I mean, for instance, when the estate tax exemption uh, today is $11.4 million per person, well, guess what? That basically means 99.9% of Americans don't have to worry about estate tax anymore, uh, whereas, you know, is estate tax, uh, while I'm a big believer in saving my clients money and using those uh rules to uh, save every penny, but, but okay, if you're going to inherit, you know, $11 million, truthfully, when you're inheriting it from your parents, you haven't earned it yourself, right? Right. So an inheritance is by its nature, it's a windfall. Now, your parents created it. We all want our children to enjoy what we, the legacy that we have created from our own work, um, or at least that's the way most of us feel about it. <clears throat> but what our children receive is clearly a windfall. They didn't earn it. They're, they're just inheriting it. So is that not an area that could be taxed at a greater rate where it doesn't really affect the economy at all? And it doesn't. And so, but, but for the most part, state and federal, the estate tax has gone away for almost everyone in this country at this point. So it's like, okay. Now, what's the other thing? Most uh, middle-class folks do not have their own business. Well, if you have your own business, 
then you you find yourself you have lots of deductions and lots of exemptions and you can use your businesses to reduce your tax structure significantly and so the bottom line is is that wealthy individuals uh, tend to own multiple businesses uh, where they uh, have the ability to um, reduce their taxation significantly through deductions, exemptions, capitalization of businesses, and and the like, and that's uh, or depreciation. You know, if you're into real estate, you, you know, and you're building, you can depreciate significantly, and and again reduce your income tax uh, significantly less. So gotcha. That's where it comes from. So there's more tools in the toolbox when it comes to uh, the situation for the wealthy. That, that makes Absolutely. plenty of sense. Absolutely. And you explained it in just enough time for us here to take a break. <laughs> so we'll be back right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this Saturday morning. You can find more about Bill at WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website, WGALaw.com. There you can find information about his free monthly seminars. You can also view the many services that he provides. Bill also has a podcast, the Asset Protection Today podcast, which you can download in any of your podcast marketplaces. Subscribe and you can get these very cool 10 to 15 minute segments from Bill that make uh, all the many interesting topics that he has knowledge of digestible and quick and easy to listen to. So those are great, Bill. I enjoy listening to those. Uh, Bill, uh, we want to shift the discussion here to retirement now. And of course, this is something that all of us can appreciate. Well, I mean, uh, exactly. Particularly in your generation, it's like, when are you ready to retire? Right now. (laughs) Yeah, you wish. Um, Okay. So first, let's go back and and, and talk a little bit about how that relates to good estate planning. And obviously, with retirement, it requires uh, putting money back, uh, living below your means, uh, in other words, saving money over a lifetime, uh, having good tax planning, in other words, saving taxes through, again, uh, over your lifetime. Um, and so uh, you've heard me talk about good estate planning uh, being a legal plan, the legal planning, the documents uh, drawn by your estate planning attorney uh, brings in um, uh, several things that are uh, crucial to good planning. Um, and you hear me talk about the fact that you need to have a good financial advisor. Uh, the, the studies are clear that a good financial advisor will help you grow your assets far better than uh, what most of us can do on our, on our own. So having a good financial advisor is very, very important to us over our lifetime, not at the end, throughout, okay? Having a good accountant, a good CPA, so that we can reduce our our taxes uh, 
as it relates to how much we pay the government so that we get to keep more of our money to put it into savings or to live a better lifestyle and go from there. And, of course, the other part of that has to do with uh, what grounds us, what makes us tick. Uh, And for some, uh, that would be, uh, you know, what drives us, what motivates us, uh, what what are our goals in life, what are our fears in life. Uh, what do we want for ourselves? What do we want for our spouse? What do we want for our children and grandchildren? That grounding, and sometimes that comes from our pastors, sometimes that comes from our parents, sometimes that comes from our spouse, um, uh, sometimes it just comes from experience. But the bottom line is we have to have a grounding in order to know uh what it's all about in terms of growing what we earn, you know, that's the financial advisor, in terms of not paying more tax than we absolutely have to. That's where the CPA comes in. But it all has to come together in a good estate plan that should be put together by an estate planning attorney. That's what it's all about. So how does that relate to when do you retire? Well, what I'm really getting to is to – now, I will say this. There are an awful lot of folks, particularly middle-class folks, that don't get to choose when they retire. They're forced into retirement. Uh, They lose their job or they uh, have a rule that everybody's got to retire at a certain age, whether you're competent, incompetent, productive, unproductive, no matter what. It's simply you got to retire at a certain age. Um, And so you don't some, sometimes you don't have a choice, so when you don't have a choice, you try to make everything work out. But for those folks who actually do have a choice, and, and it blows my mind sometimes because there are folks uh, who somehow manage to have the ability to retire early in their 40s and 50s. And it's sort of like, wow, you can retire and you have a 50-year life expectancy to do whatever it is that, uh, that you want to do. Well, most of us aren't that fortunate. In fact, the great majority of us need to work uh, to at least uh, late 60s or 70 uh, just to make ends meet. But so for those who actually have the advantage of – when do I want to retire? Then uh, what? What? How do I know if I'm ready to retire? Well, you have to assume that if you're thinking about retirement, you've looked at your numbers, and you know that. And, and what I'm really getting at is just because you know that you have enough money to retire, that's really not the question or the answer as it relates to should you retire, okay? And it really has a lot to do with motivation. In other words, there are folks who are motivated in their life about that surrounding their work. In other words, you need to be able to ask yourself, okay, if I stop working, what will I miss 
about work. And for some folks, that's the socialization, the people that you're around. You enjoy being around them. Or it might be for professionals, you enjoy your clients. That's where I'm at. I love doing what I do, and I enjoy my clients. And it's it's important to me. And if I just willy-nilly retired, I wouldn't get to see my clients in, in that same type of, of setting. Um, you know, where does what will you miss? Uh, what challenges will you have by leaving work? What will your social life look like? Uh, will you miss what authority that you have from work? You know, because truthfully, for a lot of folks, um, the challenge of work is important to them. You know, trying to fix things. Uh, for a lot of folks, there is a lot of socialization that goes on at the workplace, and are you going to miss that? For some folks, the authority they have at work is an important thing to to them. Um, will not working make you feel like uh, less vital? Well, obviously, you you don't want to have those feelings when you retire. So, what's your agenda? Uh, fulfilling your time with your choice of things to do or are things going to be imposed upon you you know most people who retire basically will tell you well I'm busier now than I was when I was working and and part of it is, is the fact that when they were working they could say no when they were asked to do stuff it's like no I've got too much other stuff that that uh, I'm responsible for that so I can't uh, I can't do those other things Um. So the real question is, what motivates you? What will get you excited uh, to get up every day and do something, whatever that is? Um, But sitting around as a couch potato watching television is not the answer. (laughs) You know, it it shouldn't be. Um, So it's really about those things that, uh, that you can be passionate about in retirement. you got to figure that you should figure that out before you actually uh, cut the ties at work and say, I'm out of here. Uh, those, um, and, and, of course, there's some other issues, and that's what's your spouse going to think about it? In other words, is it going to be more difficult for your spouse if you're at home all the time? Uh, that's another issue. How are you going to figure out that socialization issue because – for some folks, it's a positive, and for others, it's not really a positive. And you got to know which it's going to be. So clearly, it's not something that should be decided without input from your spouse, if if you have a spouse, that is, <laughs> you know, because that obviously what you're doing will significantly affect your spouse as well whether that spouse is working, whether that spouse has uh, decided to retire um, or whether you're both retiring at the same time. And it's sort of like, okay, now what are y'all going to do together? Uh, that those, um, And then, of course, for some folks, it, they're pushed because they need to take care of their parents. Uh, you know, in other words, there is something that they need to do for someone else. And, and those... Uh, uh, that's to me is not so much a voluntary thing as as a necessary something an obligation that you feel uh, that you want to to do and, and of course it's unfortunate but truthfully for most of us we do have a few years where that 
is uh, absolutely the case. And so what I'm really getting at is, and the point I'm trying to make in a long way about this, and I apologize for that, is the fact that the, the really important issues as facing someone that's thinking about retirement is not the money. It's the passion. It's how am I going to fill my days and feel vital and still enjoy and still have the socialization in one way or another because obviously when you retire, your life significantly changes. And it doesn't necessarily change for the better unless you've got answers to these questions. And that's the point. So that's where the grounding in terms of your estate planning is so important because it's those kind of issues that really make your life worthwhile. And retirement is a huge question for a lot of folks that uh, where they need good answers. Yeah, that's a great point, Bill. It's such a monumental decision to make. And if only it were that easy to just look in the bank account and say, okay, it's time, but it, it never seems to quite work out that way. Well, if you want to make sure you have the right asset protection plan in, in uh, set up for yourself and you're thinking about retirement, get a hold of Bill, schedule an appointment, call 919 919- Two five six seven thousand, or go online to wgalaw.com. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find more about Bill at WGALaw.com. I am Jason Kong alongside Bill Alexander here, and we're having a discussion on retirement right now. And Bill, we teased the 4% rule. Can we go into that a little bit? Well, sure. I mean, the, the, I, I just talked about the soft issues as it relates to retirement. Well, there's a hard issue too. And the hard issue is how do I retire and not run out of money during my lifetime? And that's that truthfully is one of the key issues that uh, seniors uh, worry about. In other words, how do I maintain my lifestyle, not be a burden on my children and not run out of money uh, for myself and my spouse during our lifetime. And so um, uh, th- that is a hard number, not a soft number. And so that's, that's one of the reasons I worry about later generations not having enough money to live a decent lifestyle uh, and retire, recognizing that a lot of folks are going to be forced into retirement at, at some point. Well, and here's a question. Do you really think Social Security will be enough to live on in the future for the later generation, for your generation, Jason? Not at the rate we're going. Well, clearly not. Any futurist will tell you you're, you're an idiot if you think Social Security is going to pay for retirement for you. But let's talk about folks right now right now, uh, Social Security isn't enough. And of course, it was never designed to be enough to retire on, even though the majority of retirees in this country are living solely on Social Security. That's pretty scary, and it's going to get worse. 
But what's the 4% number? So it really is a formula so that you don't run out of money based on what your needs are. And that is that you take your guaranteed income. uh, So what's guaranteed income? Guaranteed would be how much is Social Security going to pay you? How much is it going to pay your spouse? How much uh, pension, if any, do you have? Some folks do have a pension. Some don't. I mean, for instance, uh, civil service uh, uh, retirees, uh, state retirees, um, military retirees. There are still a few pensions out there, uh, but they're going away. In fact, I, I heard recently that General Electric is changing their pension plan over to – they're transitioning it over to 401K, which is what almost all of private business uh, is doing if they haven't already done it. And so, and then there are a bunch of smaller companies that have no retirement plan at all, no IRA, no 401k, no nothing. So the bottom line is in the future, pensions for the most part are going away. So then it's okay, how much have I saved? Well, and that's the other number that you're looking at. So if you uh, look at what you've saved over your lifetime and then use a what's called the 4% rule, you should never run out of money. And so what does that mean? Like if you only have savings of $100,000, 4% of 100 is $4,000. And so uh, each year you can take 4% plus whatever the inflation rate was the previous year. So each each year it would go up a little bit. And if you do that each year, then as long as you can live on the amount of money, you're not going to run a – and basically what that tells you is you, that will keep uh, – you won't run out of money over a 30-year period if you stay within the 4% rule. And so um, now – $4,000 a year is only $333 a month. So that doesn't help you a whole lot. Uh, so how much, So if you're really looking at uh, enough money for most folks, you've got to have a million dollars of savings, and then that will give you, um, you know, $40,000 a year, which would, uh, w- which would be $3,333 per month. Okay, does that make sense? So that basically would be enough for most folks, but there are an awful lot of folks that don't have a million dollars in in savings. Um, So you you see where I'm coming from. But the 4% rule is a very good rule for folks to follow in terms of not running out of money. Now, with that said, that comes right back to what keeps me – busy and what we made a name on at W.G. Alexander and Associates, and that is long-term care costs blow those numbers out of the water. And that's why the majority of families need assistance when they have a long-term care crisis. And of course, as you know, we do an awful lot of planning around the fact that folks, um, uh, that 4% rule gets blown out of the water when they have a long-term care crisis. Yeah, if you want to see just how uh, financially catastrophic a, a long-term care crisis can be, attend one of Bill's free seminars, and Bill goes over that uh, to an extent that uh, you will appreciate because uh, it, it can just completely ruin you financially. And there's ways to avoid that, but uh, you got to attend Bill's seminar. It's free to do, and you learn plenty of great information there. WGALaw.com is the website to check out. WGALaw.com. 
www.asetprotectiontoday.com. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Quick reminder, you can find more information about Bill online at WGALaw.com. If you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, maybe you're interested in setting up an asset protection plan as you enter retirement, or you want to find more information about Bill's free monthly seminars, call 919 919- Two five six seven thousand nine one nine two five six seven thousand. We're out of time for today, but on behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio six eighty WPTF. Have a great weekend. <laughs>